Today, we jump into week three of our generosity series, More, where we're asking the question, is, is more of something going to actually improve my life? And so what we said throughout this entire series is simply this, that more isn't always better, but more will only encourage us to do more of what we're already doing. In, in, in other words, if uh, if you come into money, um, someone in your family passes away and you come into an inheritance or you uh, climb the corporate ladder and you're getting promotion after promotion, or maybe you win the lottery this holiday season, just because you come into more money doesn't necessarily mean by default your life will be better. All uh, what more money does, it reveals our relationship to money. This is why we've given our church several ways to step into generosity throughout the more teaching series. Uh, In week one, we rolled out Ramsey Plus, which is a phenomenal program for you and your family and your kids. Uh, We we, we want to give this away. If this could bless or encourage someone in our community, maybe a friend of yours, a family member of yours, we'd encourage you to share the link with them, rccsalem.com slash giving. In addition to Ramsey Plus, we are partnering with a new church that is uh, going to be planted March of 2021, uh, Beacon Church. And about two weeks ago, we initiated a uh, kids ministry toy drive, basically asking RCC uh, to provide kids ministry items for their church when they're set to launch uh, in March. And already we have, I think, 25 to 30 items that you uh, have registered for and and ordered through the Amazon wish list. I'd encourage you again to go uh, onto our Christmas page and look at the Amazon wish list for something for you and your family uh, to bless uh, Beacon Church with. One of the things that um, I thought about growing up in terms of money was uh, about 16, 17 years old. Uh, I went on my first mission trip. I believe it was um, Tijuana, Mexico. And uh, we had to write support letters. This is before social media, GoFundMe, um, email maybe even, a lot of that at least. And I, I remember my youth pastor saying, you have, to write these, uh, you have to write these support letters. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get money. Like, it's not going to be a problem. He just kind of laughed. And he's like, well, what? Like, why do you say that, Ben? I was like, well, I'll have you know, I have some very wealthy family members and friends in my circle of influence. I didn't say it like that, but pretty much like that. And he just kind of laughed. He said, okay, I'll check back in with you in about four to six weeks. So four to six weeks come and go. And Brad says, hey, how, how's, the, um, how's the giving coming? How are your uh, support letters going? And we were having a team meeting when he asked me this. And I'm like, it, it's crazy. Uh, the, the money that's coming in in 100, 200, 300, sometimes $400 checks, it, it's coming from friends and family that, that really love me, but they don't have a lot of money. And he goes, well, what about your wealthy family members, your wealthy friends of your family? Yeah, I think I might've got one check for $20. And he just kind of laughed and he's like, just because somebody has a lot of money does not necessarily mean they're willing to do ministry. Let me say that again, church. Just because somebody has a lot of money does not mean they're willing to do a lot of ministry. We've been in Luke chapter 16 the past three weeks now. If you have a Bible or a Bible app on your smartphone, go with me to Luke chapter 16, and we'll pick it up in verse 10 today. 
And Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little uh, can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property uh, of your own? Just because somebody has a lot or even a little amount of money does not necessarily mean they're interested in doing ministry. Church, here's the big idea I want you to wrestle with, okay? It's going to pack a punch, but it's going to be good for us to wrestle with. And here it is. You will always desire more until you determine what is enough. Let me say that again. You will always desire more until you determine what is enough. Enough. Now, here's a photo of uh, myself and my two other brothers taking around Halloween. I think my youngest brother, Graham, is a bunny or a cat. Uh, Nathan is trying to be Freddy Cougar, and I'm some sort of umpire with fake blood on my face. It was a confusing time. I only show you that photo, not to talk about Halloween, but to capture a moment in our lives. It was around this age and this body type that my brothers and I love to wrestle in the living room. We actually had these um, sort of uh, these WrestleMania uh, figures of Hulk Hogan and different wrestlers. Maybe you had one uh, if, you were, if you're about my age, or maybe uh, uh, moms and dads and grandparents, you bought one for your kid or your grandkid back in the 90s. We loved these things. And we would pound each other. I mean, my mom was, she would come in running like, stop, you're going to hurt each other. The fun came when my dad came home from work. Now, my dad is about 6'2", at the time, pretty north of 325 pounds, big guy. He would get on all fours, and, and he'd let us, you know, jump on him, drop some elbows. But eventually the beast would come out. He'd throw us around and he'd you know, twist our arm behind our back until we tapped out. We said, okay, enough is enough, right? It was fun. Now it's starting to hurt. I don't want to do this anymore. You will always desire more until you determine what is enough, my friends. So what's the litmus test? How do I know when enough is enough? Here's the answer. It's related to your finances. It's related to every aspect of your life. Here's the answer. The word is contentment. Now you might say, okay, okay, I've heard of that word. Um, I get it. Okay, moving on. No, no. Contentment is sort of like an iceberg, right? We, we kind of understand it. Okay, that, that's fine. But the depth of contentment is more than being happy sort of having a a run of a few easy weeks or easy months. It has a depth and a width to it that provides sustainability to our lives. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 and 8. He says this, But godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing uh, out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. Those who want to get rich fall into the temptation uh, and a trap and into many, listen to this church, into many harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. 
for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith. They've left Jesus and pierced themselves with many griefs. I want to take a moment and unpack what Paul is actually talking about. In verse 6, he says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. So let's, let's unpack that for a moment. When Paul talks about godliness, he's talking about the soul's inward journey to be shared into the things of God. In other words, we need to be looking at our finances as one of our journey inwards. It's language we use around here at RCC in our journey with Jesus. Our finances is an opportunity to step into spiritual formation. Now, Paul also says, but godliness with. Now, that preposition with, you might not think it's a powerful word, but it is an incredibly powerful word that Paul is using. The word in the Greek is meta. And what it means is somebody that has been changed by someone or someone else after encountering them. So what Paul is saying is that there is godliness and spiritual formation forming in you after you have met and continue to meet with Jesus. Let me say that again, right? Contentment begins with spending time with Jesus. Generosity begins by spending time with Jesus, not in balancing your checkbook. It's a spiritual formation thing. It's not a nickels and noses thing. And then Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4.11, I am not saying this because I am in need. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Now the, now the sentence gets better uh, from 1 Timothy. He says, I am content. I have sufficiency within my bones. Now, how does someone get sufficiency for their lives? Well, it depends your worldview. A lot of times we hit up the bookstore or we go to Amazon and look in the self-help section. That is not what Paul's talking about in 1 Timothy. That is not what Paul's talking about in four, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 11. Sufficiency to do life well comes from, are you ready for this church? Godliness. Godliness comes from spending time, there's that preposition with, with Jesus. Contentment begins in our spiritual formation when we're spending time with Jesus, not coming into more money over you know, a span of a lifetime. It begins by spending time with Jesus. And then Paul says, this will give us great gain. Godliness is a means by which we experience great gains in our relationship with Jesus as well as others. Look at Luke 16, 10, and 11. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling your own worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? So what Paul is talking about, godliness, great gain, contentment. Spending time with Jesus will give me great gain of sufficiency, 
right? When I go out to the world, my job, my school, my, my extracurricular activities, my errands, it'll get me through my day so that when the next day starts, I spend time with Jesus. And over a lifetime, I'm going to develop contentment. Church, gospel stewardship is the formation of Christ in your life. I've heard several pastors say it this way when talking about spiritual formation. Heart work is hard work. Soul work is slow work. Let me say that again. Heart work is hard work. Soul work is slow work. Spiritual formation is hard, slow, over the course of one's lifetime. But it's worth it. It's how we know when enough is enough and we can be sufficient in what Christ has provided for us and we can be content in our relationship with the Lord, our relationship with our friends and family, neighbors, coworkers, and even in our relationship with our finances. Let me read again Luke 16, 10 and 11, sort of in a different way. I, I added two different words. Luke 16.10 says, Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little. So whoever can be trusted with a little money can also be trusted with what? Much. More ministry. If you can be trusted with fewer dollars, you can also be trusted with more money. Whoever is dishonest with very little, if you're dishonest with your money, you'll also be dishonest with what? Your ministry. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches. It's as if Jesus is asking us this very question. If you can't handle your money, what makes you think you can handle my ministry? Think about that, church. If you can't handle your money, what makes you think you can't handle my ministry? Think about that. You know, <clears throat> I think there might be a direct correlation, right? between a church's willingness to be financially generous to what Jesus actually allows them to experience, right? If a church is not stepping into generosity, why in the world would Jesus trust more of the kingdom to that church, that outpost, in that community of the kingdom of God? Why in the world would he do that? If you're an employer, and you have employees mismanaging money, why in the world would you give them uh, more portfolios or bigger projects to manage if you cannot trust them with what they've already been tasked with? My friends, the same is true in the economy of the kingdom of God. Church, if you want to see RCC do incredible ministry, if you want Jesus to give us more opportunities to do more ministry, it begins with our generosity, which is to say, it begins with our spiritual formation. In week one, we rolled out Ramsey Plus. In week two, we challenge you to give to Beacon Church Kids Ministry, which launches in March of next year. And today, we're going to celebrate what you have done through your generosity. When you give at RCC, 10% of our general fund goes to our journey out value, which we've called missions in the past, to help us to journey out locally with partners here in Salem and surrounding communities, as well as globally throughout 
our world. One of those global partners that we have is MOHI, Missions of Hope International. And it's based out of Nairobi, Kenya. And believe it or not, they have been on lockdown. Their government has had them on lockdown from February, March, and they've been on lockdown and going to reopen their schools and churches this January. So MOHI has reached out uh, to their global partners and have asked for financial support to help this beautiful community this third world part of the third world country to get back on their feet and to get the kids back into school, back into church, back into some sort of normalcy. And we have blessed them and we sent Mohi a check for $3,000. And I want to play for you just a thank you video from our Mohi directors. Thank you, church, for your generosity. I, I want to close by, by giving you a challenge. Uh, when, when, when you sit through a generosity series, it, it's easy to give yourself a guilt trip. I, I get it. Like, I give myself a guilt trip, and I have to teach some of this sometimes. But, but here's what's true. We all have a then and a now. Right? We've all had a then where we managed money well or we mismanaged money. We have regrets financially, like, man, I wish I would have invested in that product. I wish I would have saved more money. I wish I would have gone to grad school. I wish I would have done more things to set me up, uh, to set my future up uh, more efficiently. But the gospel is less concerned with your then and more concerned with your now. What what has been done in the past has been done in the past. What Jesus is more interested in is our now. You will have no peace in the present while living in your past. Right now is an opportunity for you to step into generosity. I'll say it again. Jesus is more concerned with your now than he is with your then. It, it, after all, in Romans, doesn't Jesus say, right, the gospel, God does not treat us as our sins deserve, and that his kindness leads us to repentance. One of the things that I personally love about Jesus is that though the religious leaders look at people that Jesus spoke with as they were presently, Jesus tended to look at people on a trajectory of grace, where they could go, should they accept the gospel, follow Jesus, and be an active participant in the kingdom of God. And that's how he views you. That's how he views me. That's how he views collectively our church, RCC. Not, not, not for what we have or haven't done in the past, but, but for right now, in, in the stories we could tell through our generosity I want to be that kind of church. I want to be a, a church surrounded by those kinds of people that are content. They know when enough is enough. And, and if they receive more margin after the enough, they find creative ways to be generous with an intent of moving the kingdom of God forward. This is what Jesus is calling us to, church. That we be a church that through our generosity tells more stories of more people coming into the kingdom of God.